Well, good evening, everybody. It's Chris here from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mir, Alberta. Um, I assume you noticed the title of this uh, live cast. Uh, unfortunately, again, tonight, this is the Chris Sands Carry Show, which means Chris without Carry Show, because Carrie's busy doing Carry things, which is uh, basically saving the world uh, one karaoke song at a time. Just kidding. He's actually very involved in uh, political stuff and advocacy, and he's he's a very busy guy, so he couldn't make it tonight. However, um, I do have a special guest, uh, a man who has become a good friend of mine over the past couple of years, uh, a man who has really, I mean, he's stood up and <laughs> spoken out very loudly at times about the situation in Alberta um, that we've seen in the last uh, last few years. And uh, in doing so, he's taken a lot of heat for it. So recently, uh, you may have heard that Mr. Bob Leon has entered the uh, as a candidate for the Brooks Medicine Hat constituency. And basically, he's challenging uh, Premier Daniel Smith in that riding. And I thought this was really interesting and very ballsy, which is awesome. But there's a lot of people who have a lot of questions about this. So... In my attempt to always try and get the information from the source, uh, I asked Bob if he would join me for an interview tonight, to which he gladly accepted. So everyone, would you please welcome uh, Mr. Bob Leon. Hi, Bob. Hey, hey Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, thanks for the invitation to have a conversation. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of questions and comments for the conversation. Yeah, my pleasure, and uh, I, I apologize for not having Kerry here. I know he's the, you know, he's the apple of our eye, but I guess we'll have to catch him on another one. Yeah, he's got a lot too, like you say, politics here. Fighting for the future of Alberta, like I know you've done an exceptional job, one of the great leaders through these last 33 months. Years we've been into this now, and um, yeah, so thank you also. All right, so um, you, this was a surprise to me. Uh, we've had a lot of heart-to-heart uh, -heart conversations, and I found out that you were uh, challenging Daniel Smith and Brooks Medicine Hat, and I, I kind of, I did this look. Have you seen this look before? What? <laughs> and you know what? My feelings about it are kind of all over the place. Um, however, I know that you're doing what you know is right, and there's a lot of people who have been asking about this. Like, why is Bob challenging Danielle Smith in this writing. What's going on here? Um, why isn't everyone just supporting uh, these politicians and, and our current government and what they're doing? And, you know, I've got my own answers, but uh, uh, I guess, you know, this this one's in your court. Um, so what do you, is there any backstory to this? Like what, what led up to your decision to do this? Because I'm sure this wasn't a, a decision you took lately. No, it definitely wasn't, Chris. You know that I put a thing that I do, or I weigh my decisions very carefully, and with a lot of conversations, friends, uh, uh, you know, that support one another, and we talk to one another, and and it was something that just came. Um, I'm not going to call it a, an accident. I was considering running, obviously, where. Where I'm, where we're living right now, where Dane and I live, and then when by-election opened up, I mean, we're a, a party that's trying to get our our name out there, and 
solution out there. <clears throat> At the same time, Chris, you know how involved I've been in, in meeting with, you know, all these, the doctors, Dr. Paul Alexander, Peter McCullough, friend Dr. Hodgkinson, and what they've been trying to do. Um, the amount of outreach I've gotten over the past 33 months has been, been truly heartbreaking. And together, uh, and we're, we're gaining the trust of many people. The outreach, again, it's staggering and heartbreaking what people are going through here, what our fellow are going through. And so I, I see a part of my feelings there, I think mostly everybody does, how I don't see that as a salvageable, see it as a corrupted organization that now I see them trying to pivot without ever having accountability. <clears throat> That's not acceptable. And another reason is I just look forward to have, uh, Daniel Smith and all the other candidates on, on some of our platforms. Oh, Bob, your, your uh, audio is kind of in and out. It's a little bit choppy. How's your Wi-Fi there? How's that? No, I think it. I think it's better. You have any? Can't hear me. Then we'll just uh, I'll just repeat what I said. But it's it's not too often we get a conversation with a, a premier in public like we've been trying to have for three years now. Inaccessible to Albertans. You know, people that think that I'm making a mistake by running here and not in my home, riding to uh, win or lose, this is a win. This is a win for them suffering through this to, to be able to voice their concerns public forum. Some of the stories Shoot, I'm still, that we're hearing. I'm, people are having a hard time hearing you. I'm just going to, um, can you just log out and then rejoin the stream again most of the time that fixes the problem you're uh how's that it's still choppy i can see your audio is not synced with the video for some reason Buds, earbuds might work. Yep. Sorry, folks. Uh, every now and then we have a little bit of a technical issue. No matter how much money we spend on technology and how much money we throw at Elon Musk for Starlink, uh, there's always something. So Bob's going to throw in some some earbuds, but I'm just going to kind of recap what he said earlier while he's getting set up. Um, from what I'm understanding, uh, Bob wants the opportunity to have conversations with the Premier and and talk about the last two and a half years and what better way to do it than uh, a share a stage and debate. And this is something that's absolutely critical to democracy. It's absolutely important. Um, if you, 
if politicians can't have conversations with each other and ask each other questions, what's the point? I mean, we all have questions and we want answers. And the best way to get them is to uh, have those folks that want to be our leaders in front of us answering each other's questions. So, so that's kind of what I'm getting. So let me bring Bob back here and see if we got that sorted out. How's that, Chris? I can hear you, but I, uh, it seems like it's a it's a connection issue or something. I don't know what that's going on. Try something. Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign off the wife. Why I'm on here? Okay. Well, the pressure's on now. I've got entertained, and I don't have Carrie to help. Not sure what I'm gonna do. Uh, hmm. Let me do. Cat's not in here. Yeah, we'll just wait for Bob. So uh, during this live stream, if you have any questions for Bob, please comment your questions and I'll keep an eye on it as best I can and I'll try and forward them on to Bob or I'll put them up on the screen um, for him to answer. So yeah, feel free to ask questions. Except for why is the sound not very good? Because <laughs> I don't know. Just say what's on my mind, Jan says. Well, there's a lot of things on my mind lately. Um, the world seems to be quite upside down. And just when I think I've got a handle on things, something else happens. And and I'm left with, uh, you know, a thousand questions again. So here's our attempt to answer some questions. I'll bring Bob back. No audio. Are you, maybe you're still on your earbuds. Still no audio. What the heck? Can you hear me, Bob? Well, this is the drawback to doing everything live, I guess. Um, I've got no sound on your end, Bob. Nothing? Okay, I'm going to restart the entire stream. Um, hopefully those that are watching will uh, have a little patience and come back with us because I think there's some really important stuff to talk about. If we can't get the audio sorted out for whatever reason, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a uh, individual interview with Bob. I'll record it and then I'll upload it as a live later. And uh, once I do that, I'll try and get Bob. Um, uh, I'll, I'll be I'll try and get where Bob is and have him answer the comments or answer the questions as they're commented. So I'm going to end the live. I'll start it again. We'll give her one more shot and uh, go from there. And thanks for your patience, everybody. I'll be right back. Okay, well, we're back, everybody. I think we got our technical issues sorted out. Uh, something to do with the streaming software. So anyway, now we're using StreamYard, which seems to be working much better. 
and uh, we're going to redo everything but the intro. So for those of you of you who didn't catch the uh, previous attempt that we did at our live here, uh, the reason I, I invited Bob to be on the Chris Sands carry show tonight is because uh, there's a lot of questions I've been getting about uh, Bob and why he's challenging Premier Daniel Smith in the Medicine Hat Brooks uh, constituency uh, for the MLA position there. Um, as, as everyone know, or well, many of you may know, um, Bob is involved with the Independence Party of Alberta. Uh, his previous position was uh, Vice President of Membership. Uh, yeah, Director of Membership. Director of Membership, yeah. Yep. And now you've you've taken the plunge uh, and decided to uh, go sw go swim with the politicians. What's <laughs> what what's going on, Bob? Why why did you uh, decide to do that? That's a, that's a pretty big move. Yeah, there's there's a lot of reasons, and I'll try to roll through all of them. If I um, number one is getting our the Independence Party solution out there, the referendum on independence, how empowering that's going to be for the people of Alberta. To get behind that and and um, to get their strong leverage back, to be able to negotiate and open up the constitution. I mean, that's what needs to happen. I was frustrated. Uh, I know a lot of people were had hope in the Sovereignty Act, um, but we we feel very strongly that to to trigger a constitutional crisis without leverage is it's to go with a, a plan designed to fail uh, just for the sake of trying to wake other people up is is honestly it's foolish in our opinion uh, we believe there's enough albertans out there i've been traveling around the province you know chris for a couple of years now talking to a lot of people and uh even in my early conversations down in medicine hat here i'm very inspired so far by the conversations just door knocking and and rent you know in different neighborhoods and industry and whatnot so <clears throat> getting this party out there the name recognized um this is a, a substantial opportunity to do that and to sit back on the bench while this uh, this opportunity is, is playing out in front of us is not good strategy, not for what we're trying to do here. Um, second reason, as you know, I've been involved behind the scenes. I was with the UCP before and I got to know a lot of politicians there. And, very frustrated by what they didn't do and what they could do today. And they just refused to have the courage to, um, one example, the COVID conversation, it needs to be finished. There's families that are broken, uh, communities that are broken. And until the politicians grab the bull by the horns and have the courage and conviction to meet with individuals like Dr. Paul Alexander, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Roger Hodkinson, Dr. Byron Burdell, Dr. Mike Eden, I could go on and on and on. If a guy like me from Northern Alberta, Bob, can connect with these guys and put a, a conversation together that I think it's coming out today, if I'm not mistaken, we partnered with uh, Canadians for Truth with uh, Joseph Borgo and Theo Fleury. And um, we had another conversation with Dr. Paul Alexander and Dr. Peter McCullough and Dr. Roger Hodkinson, our dear friend. And, and Pastor Art met with them. The invitation was put out and it went unanswered to the politicians. And their message is the same from the November 10th, 2021, it's shut it down. It's, it's, we know it's killing people, these vaccines. We know it. 
The politicians know it, but they feel that there's not enough public support, that's how they operate, that they can speak freely about that. And that's, I'm going to try to stay, keep my temper, but that's where my temper kicks in. And maybe it's not temper, it's just passion. I care about people. I care about Albertans. My own family is broken and shattered through this. My oldest siblings uh, do not appreciate my stance on this. Um, but that doesn't stop me. I do the right thing, no matter how hard it is. So I, I look forward and I, you know, we had that meeting, the, the conversation with Dr. Alexander, Dr. McCullough and Dr. Hodgkinson. And I sent an email to Danielle. This is beyond politics. This is, should be something that we all can come together behind outside of all these political organizations and have this conversation. So it's my hope that I have an opportunity in this campaign that we have a debate and I'll be able to express some of these things publicly and ask the questions, why aren't you meeting with these individuals? What's the harm in that? What are you scared of? And we know what's going on behind the scenes and everybody's pointing the finger at the bureaucracy and that HS and then HS points the fingers at the politicians. The government is at the top. They can, on their own accord, have these conversations and solve this problem that's broken us, that's killing people, and they won't. So that's number two. Number three, the, the next thing that's coming down the pipe that's already hurting people is the climate change scam, and I call it a scam. And that's a conversation we have to have as a province as a people. We, the people, deserve to have that conversation. Before they implemented any of these ridiculous policies, such as carbon taxes, carbon credits, carbon capture, net zero, fertilizer reduction, caribou range planning, the sage grouse down south, they just come from a meeting here tonight. Before we did any of that, we should have had a rational, calm conversation about what exactly is climate change? Do we have to be scared of it? Should we interfere with our energy basket, our food baskets? People were already on their knees before all this came. And now they're talking about tripling the carbon tax, fertilizer reductions, all this nonsense, carbon capture, all these projects are funded 70%, 70% by the taxpayer. There is the UCP partnered with the Trudeau government there's $31.24 billion up for grabs for that Ponzi scheme that we are funding. They didn't ask us. And that's a good point. It's not the government that pays for this, folks. It's us. Anytime the government says things like, we're going to take on this debt so Canadians don't have to, that means Canadians are taking on the debt or Albertans are taking on the debt. Sorry to interrupt you. No, that's exactly right, Chris. You know, <laughs> and we are broke. As Jason Kenney said, leading up to his election, the question was asked about green energy. Are we going to do solar project? No, we're broke, he said. But here they are now printing this money, interfering, like I said, with our energy basket. The lobbyists that are benefiting from this behind the politicians, that's my I take great exception with that. These so-called captains of industry in Alberta that have already benefited greatly 
off of Alberta. And now they're dipping into this tax-funded Ponzi scheme of carbon capture. It's disgusting. So when we have individuals like Murray Edwards, who was a great Albertan that founded CNRL, and now he partners with Bill Gates in funding a company out of Calgary, Alberta called Carbon Engineering Limited that has the patent on carbon capture. And the person that's leading that company, David Keith, look that guy up. He's not our friend. He has the goal of shutting down our oil sands. You know, it's not it's this car, this climate change agenda is going to destroy this province even more. Um, Eagle Spirit Pipeline, I talk about that quite often. Eagle Spirit Pipeline was a proposed project that started in Fort McMurray and uh, would have went over to Port Simpson, Lax One, just north of Prince Rupert. It was a 50-50 partnership, private equity. It was an energy corridor, actually. So heavy oil, natural gas, and rail. And the government imposed or implemented the, um, the Great Bear Rainforest and they never consulted with any of these First Nation communities. So Eagle Spirit, and that, sh and that was the Northern Tanker Band that shut down any possibility of shipping oil out of those ports. So 50-50 partnership with First Nations, all nations, communities along its route were signed up, plus I think it was 200 more across Canada. Exceptional. They embraced it, they wanted it, and it was taken away. It was stolen. For this, the the purpose of you know trying to fight climate change, and I, my oldest sister, she, uh, but we're polar opposites. I'll just say that when it comes to politics and all these these things. But she told me she was having, uh, she was scared of climate change. So I reached out to a climate scientist here again, Bob from Peace River, 2015. I reached out to Mike Hume. H-U-L-M-E. He was uh, one of the original climate scientists that works at the IPCC. He's in the UK. He's a professor there. And I, as I do, I put a lot of effort into my emails, and uh, he responded to me in three days. And we had an on and off conversation for three years. And that's where I learned about everything about climate change and uh, about global warming, whatever. But there's nothing to be scared of. There's no reason to be interfering with our energy basket. But I wait, Bob, if we don't do something, if we don't freeze and starve in the dark, the polar ice caps will melt and we're all going to be underwater. All of those million and billion dollar properties on the coasts that are mortgaged by the banks and insured are going to be underwater right yeah, away. That's scary. Wow. <laughs> so I, I'm going to... I'm going to weigh in here a little bit. So just in case anybody's wondering my position on this, I've said this before and I'll say it again, and I'm not going to apologize to anybody for saying it. The climate change agenda has been possibly the one of the greatest scams ever perpetrated on humankind, ever. They literally convinced people that everything that makes you human consuming energy, consuming food, being prosperous, being free, traveling, everything, reproducing, they convinced you that in order 
to protect the human race, you have to stop being human. And while you're doing it, they're telling you, you, you can feel virtuous for driving an electric car, or you can feel virtuous for having a windmill in your backyard, or you can feel virtuous for um, working for a company that is a, a, a global leader in carbon capture technology. You can feel virtuous for going down a path to an anti-human future. This is, and, and all the while, we're giving them our money to continue pushing this on us. Like this is, we've had this conversation before, Bob, and we both get heated up about it, but this is literally the most disgusting anti-human thing that I have ever seen in my entire life. So that's my position on, on climate change. And I'm right there with you. Now, um, I'll put a little side note in here. Don't confuse my, my, my speaking out against this climate change agenda as uh, not being concerned about pollution. Big difference between carbon dioxide and actual pollution. I do believe that heavy emitters of pollution should pay. And companies that reduce their actual pollution should receive some sort of a, a benefit for doing that, but not for uh, anything to do with plant food. So there's that's my two cents on that. I, just, I had to get that in there. It was kind of boiling out. It's hard not to jump into these conversations. And this is another inspiring thing, these conversations I've had so far, and I've had many of them already. There is a, um, an awakening to that Ponzi scheme scam of climate change and what it's doing to us and what it will continue to do. But you call it anti-human. I hear that quite often now, this, this agenda, and that's exactly what it is, anti-human. So, you know, I guess the, the passion in me and the compassion for other people comes that I come from very humble beginnings. And uh, there was quite often we would be without food and, you know, we, we, we led a pretty humble life and I wouldn't trade that for the world. We learned how to work hard. We, we learned how to persevere and keep moving forward and fighting for ourselves. So now that uh, Northern Gateway, there's, you know, it's kind of parallel to the Eagle Spirit and it was going to Kitimat. So opportunity is important to all of us. Ellis Ross um, is a former Heisler chief and he's now, a, I think a two or three term MLA in BC in the Kitimat. And he tells a good story how he was duped, duped by this green ideologues and how they promised all these green jobs uh, on the implementation of the Great Bear Rainforest. And then they, they left and they left their community high and dry. So there's a community in northern Alberta that I talk about quite often, the community of Little Red River Cree Nation. And uh, that's the three communities of John Dor Prairie, Fox Lake and Garden River. Fox Lake is on the wrong side of the river. There's 3,200 people that live there. 80 to 90% unemployment. No opportunity. Uh, the landing craft, it's not a ferry, it fits two vehicles. They're sitting on an abundance of energy and they know it. And a friend of mine from up there asked me a question a couple of years ago. He, he, we are talking about this conversation. The lack of... Uh, willingness to build any infrastructure anymore to open up some of these opportunities and he's very passionate like i am and he's like he said bob when are we going to have our opportunity absolutely so this is and what we're doing with the independence party 
This is a moment where all Albertans can come together and rebuild our province as partners, sit down at the table and make a plan on that and lift so many people up, so many communities up out of poverty into prosperity. Not just by throwing $2,000 a month at everybody. Exactly. So, you know, my, my Indigenous ancestry, Chris, and my, I talk about it always, my fourth great grandfather, Chief Black Powder, and my third great uncle, Chief Big Bear. They fought against the globalists of their time. And heartbreakingly, my, my grandfather died a broken and betrayed man, in, literally in chains and shackles. And there's two quotes that resonate strongly in me today. The first is, come to us as men, do not come to us with trinkets. So trinkets to me today is um, subsidies, free money, okay? While they're taking away our opportunities. Another quote they had was, I will not live with a noose around my neck. I was in a sweat lodge ceremony a couple years ago, two years ago, and the spiritual leader, he turned to me, we we're sitting there relaxing after, and he turns to me and just out of the blue, Bob, you know that communism has returned to our country, right? And I'm going to go off on a tangent here. As a young boy, he remembers the past system where you, they couldn't leave their communities. And it was forbidden to have their ceremonies, so it was his job to run with the drums and shakers and go hide them. So now today, here we are with more government overreach and tyranny, the same thing that they're trying to impose on us, these restrictions, whether it's COVID or climate change, the mechanisms to control us, that they will tell us what we can buy, how much fuel we can put in our vehicle, all of that, whether we can have steak or crickets, digital ID, government-controlled currency, digital currency. It's all coming together. Now, so here's another thing the UCP did last year. Through ATB, partnered with Trudeau on digital ID. That's what our provincial government is doing. They have, we've had a World Economic Forum, Global Shaper, in our legislature multiple times. We have Wellington Advocacy, Inc., all inner circle operatives of Kenny Harper, Doug Ford, plus Ray Novak, a, a partner with Stephen Harper and Harper & Associates, lobbying for a World Economic Forum affiliated organization in Forte, F-O-R-T-E. Here's a quote, what they want to do to Alberta. To train Albertans to transition away from unsustainable industries such as beef farming, coal mining, logging, oil and gas. They're still lobbying for them. So I wish to have the opportunity to ask the Premier of Alberta why the heck that's going on? And why is she supporting all this World Economic Forum, climate change nonsense? See, I'm, I'm, I gotta, you go, Chris, I'm getting upset. Have you had a conversation with uh, Premier Smith since she was elected? No, I sent her that email. Um, I sent her the email with the, the doctors, you know, to pass that information on. Through, when she was at, uh, I think she was still a journalist, I sent her an email about where uh, one part one part of the email was where the former chief of staff of Kenny came from, where he came from, and that's a that's an important component to this. So Jamie Huckabee, 
from Lethbridge, born and, born and raised there, schooled in Oxford. I was told by my MLA that this individual paused his very lucrative private sector career to come back to Alberta to help when Kenny won the leadership. So Jamie was the vice president of a global lobby organization out of New York City from 2010 to 2015, the vice president. On the board of directors were these individuals, Barack Obama's campaign manager, Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, the Democrat National Committee chairman, um, a recently former CEO of Pfizer, a recently former ambassador to China, and this individual, Joseph Stiglitz. Joseph Stiglitz is a, is a former uh, senior advisor to Bill Clinton, and he is not a friend of democracy and freedom. He has been with the WEF and all this globalization stuff since like 1984. I consider him to be an architect of what we're living in here. That's where the former chief of staff to Jason Kenney came from. And so now you got the lobbyists behind the premier that we have today that are intertwined in all of that, that David Keith is at that table. So questions absolutely need to be asked of the premier and that's why I'm here. Win or lose, win or lose, it's a, it's a win to have the opportunity to. On that note, let's say you have a conversation with Danielle and you bring these things up and she's sympathetic to these ideas and says, hey, you know, um, you're right. We do need to push against this stuff. And, and she says, let's, uh, let's do this. Let's, let's push against what the WF is doing. Let's, let's speak out against this BS climate change, uh, climate agenda and move Alberta forward. How would you respond to something like that? Ask her, what are you going to do? When are you going to start? You're going to start right now. You can pick up your phone like right now. Um, don't tell me that you can't, you can't, you know, if you're going to wait a few months. No, I'm done with that. This is nonsense. It's like, oh, no, I have to wait until, you know, I'm, I'm in, in, the, in the ledge. I, I have to wait. No, no, no. If you truly want to change your course of direction, do it. Stop talking about it. Take action. We want to see action. We don't want to see empty promises from politicians. They've proven time and time again. The, when I had my first conversation with Kenny, here's a classic example of that. He said to me, we, we had talked probably for a half hour first, and then he said, I hear you're the guy to talk to, to to get the pulse of this community. And I was like, nah. And he said, don't BS me. And I said, well, I talked to a lot of people and listened, and I handed him an envelope, and I had 20 comments, questions, criticisms from the community. And... Um, he said to me, this is, you know, this is great. I need more of this. I always need to know what the people are thinking. And at the time I thought, well, what a, what a good guy. But no, he just wants to know what to say at the mic, at the podium. Yeah. So he wants to tell us what we want to hear. And while he's talking, he's a master of doublespeak. All these politicians are. They're actors. They're masters of psychology. As they're telling us what we want to hear, they're already pivoting over here to do the opposite thing. We got to get smarter. So empty promises, empty threats. I think those are probably two of your pet peeves in politics. Um, something that's come up, of course it's come up because it's a talking point these days, vote splitting. Now, I've spoken on vote splitting before, and my thought on that is 
if we we've been down this path before where we felt that we had to follow the status quo support who we thought could win even though we had to set aside our principles and our standards in order to do so and i say look where it's got us now right mm -hmm. i'm to a point where i will never vote other than my conscience ever again yeah i don't the only thing i'm fearing politically is that people don't do what they know is the right thing to do and the, you know you you were one of the founding uh members of the alberta prosperity project the alberta unity project and and you this is something that we've talked about a lot people are under this impression that they can't do what they know is right because they might not win and, and i'm done i'm done with that yeah so um do, do you have any comments on on the vote splitting thing because well actually brooks medicine hat i don't think <laughs> There's any chance that uh, an NDP, can NDP candidate would take that that job, but in the event they did, what what what's your thoughts on that? What would you what do you say to Bridget, who is uh, actually she thinks you're a plant, just designed to uh, um, discredit and derail the United Conservative Party? Because apparently, I mean, we've been spending two and a half years for that purpose for why anyway? Yeah. Uh, How do you respond to Bridget? Well, I'd say um, NDP, UCP, Liberals, CPC even, what they've done. They're all the same. They've all betrayed us. Nothing's going to change. Um, so what I, and it comes up, it does come up. And in, in the moment you have that conversation, you, you tell them what this CPC, what Stephen Harper has brought in, what Kenny's done, doing, partnering with Trudeau, partnering, the UCP, partnering with the Liberals. And somebody comes worried about vote splitting, criticizing us for coming, you know, with another solution of a grassroots movement of principled Albertans to suggest that, uh, you know, things are going to be, we'll put it this way. As the UCP were destroying us, throwing you in jail, Chris, throwing Art in jail, other pastors, destroying us. And the NDP were cheering them on. Telling them to do it harder. Oh, so, I wish I was a cartoonist because that just brought this great image into my head and I'm going to get it on paper one of these days. It's insane. So now these, and I'll call them political operatives. That's what they are. So they went from, and I'm not Bridget. She wasn't part of the freedom. I don't consider her to be the freedom fighter uh, leaders. But some of these individuals now, now they're, I guess they're proposing that we just sweep this all under the rug and forego accountability, I guess, that uh, it wasn't just one MLA that needed to have a leadership review, that it was 60 more. We just forget about that. And it's kumbaya. Let's all get behind Daniel Smith and her net zero climate change scam agenda. No, UCP, NDP, they're the same. They rule as tyrants. They rule as fascists. What when I had that conversation with Kenny the first time, and I had some very strong opinions about Harper by then. I said Harper was his own worst enemy. He ruled with an iron fist. I said, us free thinking Albertans don't appreciate that, that you have this little inner circle of power, just a few of them.
and then all of our MLAs and MPs around the perimeter whipped by the party whip on how to vote, to total party line. That is not how traditional conservatives thought. And I said, that is why. That is a bloody tyrant. We don't want that anymore. We want lateral leadership. We want them, right? And we don't have that. As soon as the election is over, done. We're done for four years. Yeah, all good. One of my policies came to be free vote in the UCP. It's meaningless. It's toothless. They, what I learned through that, Chris, I'm so glad I had that opportunity to get involved in the UCP behind the scenes and learn how politics works. How, how did you do that, Bob? What's the backstory there? So I, Dan, I know I, it, but the viewers don't. Yeah, so we uh, near the end of 2014, I, I saw the downturn coming and I was done. I, there was 10 different reasons besides that one. I just wanted off the roller coaster. I was, it was 21 years. We, you know, at the beginning there, I was putting on over 200,000 kilometers a year and uh, doing my job. I work hard no matter what I do. And uh, so we sold the business, our business interest to our partner. And um, I had time then to volunteer in politics. And so I did. And I got involved locally and I got on, I joined the board and. Uh, you helped our, unite the right? Yeah, it was, I joined the PCs and um, got there, you know, there in time to participate in the merger with the Wild Rose. And then the, the cycle of, you know, going through the leadership race and then uh, build, you know, first before that building the party and then the leadership race and then the main election. And so I learned a lot. And Dan Williams being a six-year staffer under Kenny when Kenny was an MP in Ottawa, I had uh, well, pretty much inside access instantly, which I don't care. I could care less about rubbing shoulders with politicians. But it was really fascinating because it allowed me to meet all these individuals. I had meetings with ministers and, like I said, Jamie Huckabay and Jason Kenny, And um, I got to know the relationships, who was involved, you know, who was supporting who behind the scenes. So... It was a once in a, a lifetime, you know, chance to, to, to understand what happens behind the scenes of politics. And then even before COVID began, I was calling out uh, some very underhanded, um, I called it stealing. They're stealing our money. The energy war room was created. The individual appointed to the head of that was a friend of uh, Doug Schweitzer, who was the minister of justice at the time. And within two weeks of Steve getting that position, who he had no business having that job. He was paid $280,000, I believe, a year. Within two weeks, he cut a check for $950,000 to the law firm where he came from and Doug Schweitzer came from and where his son was still at. And that's, you know, even before that, when, when Kenny... Uh, anyways, I'm just going to ravel on. But that was, the, that was the backstory there, and that's how I, I got to learn... And then when COVID began, I was ringing, you know, sounding the alarm. I started following John Ioannidis. He's the Einstein of the day in epidemiology. He was right on the money, right on the money, just like Dr. Mike Hume. Sorry, Dr. Mike uh, Eden. Um, and so when I, when I wanted to push back and, you know, try to work my board, that's where I learned some of the board members had government contracts. So there was an unwillingness there. And after walking away and in hindsight, the politicians use us to build their political organizations 
which is void of accountability mechanisms, void of transparency. The I remember when we were building the policies and my friend was a VP of policy on our board and he was pulling his hair out, he was frustrated. It was like white pages there, you know, instead policies don't have to be that complicated. They do that with a purpose to confuse and to have loopholes in there. So then I realized on my, when I wrote my resignation to the board and I sent it to all my fellow board members, they're still my friends, still my community, you know, people that live in my community. Anyways, I, uh, our MLA, Dan Williams, called me into the office and I, I thought, oh, good, he finally wants to have a serious conversation about this nonsense that's going on. And we sit down and he's sitting across from me. And this is, this is the audacity and the arrogance of these politicians. A 35-year-old young man, that's all he's done is politics. He points at me and he said, you need to be more of a team player. I'm the captain. You're the forward. And I was laughing in his face. I said, you are sadly mistaken. You forget yourself. You work for us. So what we're proposing in this political organization of Albertans is to bring back that accountability with teeth, as I say, and to help, you know, when these CAs are getting formed, to empower those people, empower them to say, you are the uh, manager of your MLA. Wouldn't it be nice to have an annual performance review? Wouldn't it be nice to have the ability to recall either from a CA level or from a, a board level, membership level? Of course it would. We hold them accountable, even myself, if, if, if I am successful, I want to be held accountable. When I'm out of line, I want to know. And it's really frustrating for me, Chris, how people get so upset when you try to hold them accountable. That's the world we're living in right now. We've, we've lost that. And so whether we're talking judiciary, bureaucracy, health services, all our government departments, there's no accountability. It's void. There's no opportunity for the citizen to push back. You know, I'm, uh, I've extended an offer to Premier Smith to actually come on and talk about some of this stuff. And I'm hoping she watches this so she can respond. I'm very interested to see what she has to say because just like you, now people that are watching this, may, they, they might not know this, but and I think you're on the same page as me, Bob. If either of us saw the current government of the day fix all these things, pivot and go move towards the truth and what's right, we would both be jumping up and down for joy. We absolutely would. The problem here is there's this idea, um, and one of our very good friends, George Clark, says this all the time. We have to protect our glorious, beautiful, sacred party that we all love and adore. No, that's not the case. A political party is simply a group of like-minded individuals who gather in peaceful assembly in, for political purposes. That's all a political party is. And what I discovered over the past couple years, at the very least under the leadership of Jason Kenney, was that the United Conservative Party was not a place where 
us like-minded conservatives could gather and have our voices heard. It wasn't. Even the MLAs couldn't do that. Even the MLAs who are not just there representing themselves, but representing a hundred or two or three hundred thousand voices, they could. They were not in a place where like-minded people could gather. They would say, bring forth what their constituency wanted uh, the government to hear, wanted the premier to hear, and the premier would tell them no. They would voice concerns and say, no, Premier, we don't agree. Uh, we want you to resign or we want a leadership review or something. He would have his goon Nixon take them into a room and either threaten or bribe them to support the Premier. That's not a group of like-minded individuals. And uh, Premier Smith has actually, she's told me that she wants, she understands that there's things like that going on and she wants to fix it. And I really hope she does. But for now, I think we have to focus on what the truths are and where we can, where we fit in. Do we fit in in a group that wants to subscribe to things that we know are bullshit? Pardon my French. We know that paying a tax on carbon dioxide or getting rid of uh, gasoline powered cars and killing our energy grid we know that neither of those things are going to make a positive difference for humankind. We know that. Yeah. So do we forget about that and go along with it just because we, we think that, you know, there's, there's some magic in uh, the status quo. And, and it's a really difficult decision. It's a hard one to make. As a matter of fact, I even, I had this conversation with you, Bob, a few months ago. You remember when I phoned you and I said, you know what, Bob? Yeah. I, I might be going crazy, but I'm considering running for the leadership of the UCP. You remember that? Yeah. And I thought, there are good people there. There for sure are. I've met them. You've met them. You know a lot of them. A lot of them are your friends. There are good people there. And at, at the end of our conversation, and actually at the end of a couple of weeks of deliberating, I couldn't bring myself to do it because it wasn't, it wasn't, unifying around a truth and the truth is we can't keep doing those things we can't keep setting our conscience and our principle aside and and just going with the flow so that we don't get the ndp we survived the ndp we'll survive the ndp again should that happen and the reason we will is because we're albertans and as people have seen over the last two and a half years when the government treads on us we stand up we say enough is enough, don't tread on us, and things change. That's never going to change. Albertans are never going to change. What we put our support behind has to. Now, this this sounds awful and awful lot like me just bashing the current government, and that's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to do is, is say that some of these organizations and these, these groups that have started, and I'll speak particularly about the APP right now, outside of politics, creating a movement of like-minded individuals to force the government of the day or the would-be politicians to pay attention. Pay attention to what we're saying. Pay attention to what we're asking. Pay attention to what we're demanding. And it's worked to some extent, I would say. Um, but it's also important to understand that we don't have time to try and fail a couple times, to try and fail and try and fail. We don't have time to elect a government just because they're conservative 
for four years, have things implode, and then have another um, you know, liberal or NDP government. We don't have time for that. I, I, I don't think that we'll have another shot after next May. So it becomes critically important to me to make sure that whatever we do as Albertans is a, is a positive example to everybody else around us on how to prevent going down that path. And the path that I'm referring to is the own nothing and be happy, freeze and starve in the dark, drive an electric vehicle once a week because that's all you're allowed to charge it. And that is a reality that's coming if we don't do something, right? So while I appreciate the efforts of people that have worked to try and change things within the current government. I appreciate the efforts of um, Danielle Smith in speaking out for the unvaccinated. Um, I really appreciated that she said, you know, nobody really knows the truth about what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. So whatever. And then I don't like that she apologized for it later, but there are things that are happening that I appreciate people are doing, but like you've said, they don't, quite make the mark they don't have enough steam or enough leverage to get us where we need to be and that scares the hell out of me yeah they don't this this, it's and there is a lot of fear here fear of the ndp fear of the great reset fear of more covid restrictions fear of business closures there's a lot of fears we're dealing with isn't there so the, the and so you said it right there so the the great reset you know that is a reality that we're going through and just just stop and consider who's implementing that in Alberta. Again, the premier that we have today, the premier that we had yesterday, are both down that track. That's the road they're on. That's the road they want us on. So I, I you know, as far as the flip flopping go, that just drives me nuts. So yeah, she made some. She made a statement about supporting the unvaccinated and then she apologized for it. Where's the conviction there? Where's the uh, the follow through? It's empty. So what happened there? You know, she it appeared that she was going to open up the conversation and then boom, slammed the door. So who did she well, replace? Who did she replace Sinchal with? Who did she replace Sinchal with? Not somebody good, not somebody that's going to invite Dr. Alexander or Dr. McCullough. The same old, same old. So there's no, I don't see any, sorry, I, I can't give any kudos to uh, Daniel. None. As I say, if she wants to make change, change, make change. Do it. Take action. Um. Well, there's certain one way or another, there's some changes coming to this province. Oh, yeah. I, you know, one of the people at the meeting tonight was AHS. You want to talk about changes and people, It's it, you talk about fear, how our health system is on the verge of collapse. It's unbelievable that we're bringing in nurses now from other, other provinces to come in because they're not going to hire back the nurses that refuse to be jabbed. Wait a minute, Bob. That's the That's the fault of the unvaccinated though is it not <laughs> yeah. it is a crisis and nobody's talking about it the premier's not talking about it you want to talk you... about fear i i recently heard a clip of uh a musician that i actually really liked his music before 
and he actually said that he would like to take all the unvaccinated, put them on an airplane, fly them to the Congo, drop them off, and have them shot at by 14-year-old terrorists to know what it's like to be attacked by terrorists. So right there. So there's, there's a responsibility right there, Chris, of our elected leaders. That person needs to be re-educated, woken up. And the only way that's going to happen is if there is a public conversation. This is not going to go away until this conversation is had. And that is the responsibility of our elected representatives. There was not one, there was not only one MLA in there in Jason Kenney. Jason Kenney's just an MLA at the end of the day, even as a premier. They're just an MLA. So one MLA had a leadership review. What about the other 59? Again, I, I don't agree with that they, they've done near enough. They've sat back in the weeds. They're scared. And as So I ran into uh, a few MLAs at uh, a function in Edmonton there a couple months ago. I had the opportunity to have face-to-face -face conversation with Travis, Ta Travis Tapes. It was the day Alex Van Herc was ar arrested when the SWAT team surrounded his farm. And I got to ask him the question face-to-face. What the hell is going on in our province here? And then I handed him my article speaking to the WF and what they've been doing. And I said, and here you go. What the hell are you doing to our province? And then I got to sit down with Jason Stefan. Jason Stefan is, is a nice guy. No question. But I sat down at his table and I started talking about Dr. Malone, Dr. Alexander, Dr. McCullough. And how in one individual across the table said, wait a second, you you emailed email those guys? I said, yeah, I sure do. And I said, in fact, Jason here had a meeting with them on November 10th, 2021, with nine other MLAs. And nothing was done with that. And Jason, he, he started trying to blame Jason Kenny. And I went, whoa, 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 Jason. Jason Kenny's gone, remember? So as an MLA, I said, as a member of the Legislative Assembly of Alberta, you on your own accord could call a press conference. You do not need permission to do that. Can you please do that? Of course they're not. I still have a, a, a hard time with that meeting, Chris, on November 10th. You know about that. And Shane Getson was supposed to table the science of the research of Paul Alexander, Dr. Alexander, Dr. McCullough. 132 studies at the time, in an email conversation by Shane Getson's own words, that if it would be tabled, it would become source documents. It would open up the conversation. And it didn't happen. I got an interesting question that popped up here. Um, so it's Bridget again. Uh, we're all aware of these things, but why is a guy involved in multiple lawsuits running against Danielle Smith at a time when the NDP has a very likely chance of taking over this province? What is so, that? So Bridget's not listening, I guess, and uh, that's okay. Everybody's entitled to their own... Um, Interpretations of information? Yeah, as far, and so as far as a lawsuit goes, yeah, that's a lawsuit that was tabled uh, or leveled over the Alberta Unity Project. And uh, as it was imploding, it's still there. It's still happening. We started the Alberta Prosperity Project. 
at the advice of a very good lawyer, one of the Canada's best lawyers. So there's not multiple lawsuits going on. And uh, yeah, as far as everybody, you know, I see these <laughs> getting accused of whether I'm a, a Jason Kenny plant or a Rachel Notley plant is absolutely ridiculous. 100%. I only bring it up, Bob, because they're, they're, it's going to come up, right? And the, what I find frustrating is the same questions have to be answered over and over <laughs> and over and over again because Absolutely. people don't just use questions to gain information. They try and use questions as weapons as well. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very frustrating. It's frustrating. And, you know, you're out here on the ground like you do. We're out here talking to people off our keyboards, actually trying to go out there and look for solutions and, and listen to people's stories and, you know, and connect people together as you do too. That's, you know, and to be, uh, it's, it's whatever. I don't, it doesn't bother me. I don't lose any sleep over. It's kind of funny now to see uh, individuals that were purportedly holding MLAs accountable to now being uh, what? I, I'm picking up what you're laying down there, Bob. <laughs> you know, when when people like that shut down conversation, like shut it down and, and boot people off and block them just for having a conversation, what is that? That is what I talk about. When I say a political operative, that is a political operative. If somebody wants to call me anytime or say something on my Facebook, go ahead. I'll have a conversation with anybody. But to, you know, to shut down the conversation when you don't like somebody's ideas or their opinion, nah, we don't need that. Getting back on track, um, you mentioned Shane Getson. Yeah. I, when he spoke out about his vaccine injury, I was excited, I thought. And not because he was injured, but because he was brave enough to speak out about it. And of course, then I realized that he sat on the information until it was politically convenient, which bothered me. But uh, you are, you've met the folks at uh, Mojo's Diner, right? Of course you have. You've eaten there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they were in the restaurant the other day, and they told me a very interesting story. Did you know that the premier at the time, Jason Kenney, and Shane Getson stopped for breakfast and lunch at Mojo's Diner when they were open against the restrictions and congratulated them and said, that's the Alberta spirit. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. And they said two weeks later, all of a sudden, uh, Shane Getson wouldn't return their phone calls. Um, they, he was supposed to come and deliver them some sort of a plaque or something, but he just mailed it instead. Nobody would go out there. Hmm. That's how quickly that changed. And I, I have no way of verifying it, but I don't have any reason to believe that they would um, tell a fib about that. And it was just in a passing conversation. Oh, yeah, Jason Kenny and Shane Getson were at the restaurant for breakfast. Oh, before the restrictions. Ended. No, no, when we were open against the restrictions. And I'm like, what? <laughs> wow. But that's wow. that. Like, wow. yeah, I don't I don't have a lot of faith in any of them. Uh, but well, Shane, I, I, do have a, I do have a hope that they start paying attention. Yeah, and that's what that's another reason why we're here, right? In, in Medicine Hat, Brooks. To uh, there's been no opposition through these times we've been living through, none, and that's not good. 
not good at all. There's, you know, there's no pressure on them. There's no, it's just sad. It really is. Seeing how we're on the topic of Shane Getson, he's been a uh, staunch anti-Alberta independence advocate, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. So let's talk about Alberta independence for a minute, because I mean, that's the, one of the foundational parts of the independence party of Alberta. Yeah. And also, before we get into that, I want to share a little information that I just learned a few days ago. And you probably already know this, but there's a reason why that party is called the Independence Party of Alberta and not the Alberta Independence Party or something like that. And that reason is because this idea that the provinces or the province of Alberta needs to get out from under the boots of the federal government, this is not um, specific to Alberta. I mean, this is a template every single province can use in order to get out from the boots of the federal government, which they yep. should, yep. right? There's no reason why we can't um, be confederated in the classic sense of the word, which means we work together, but we're all sovereign individual provinces. Yep. Um, it's called that so that any other province that wanted to do the same thing, well, now it's the Independence Party of Saskatchewan, the Independence Party of Manitoba, the Independence Party of British Columbia, and by sharing a common uh, uh, part of the name, we're standing in solidarity saying, no, we've had enough of this and we're not gonna let you step on us anymore. So I just thought I'd share that. But having said that, what's the deal with independence, Bob? Why are you so focused on independence? Um, why did it come to forming the Alberta Unity Project, which later became the Alberta Prosperity Project, whose uh, mission is to educate Albertans as to the merits of independence? Why is independence key in this conversation? I, I say it this way, and people sometimes, you know, we can flip the table over. We can wipe the slate and rebuild. Um, Back better? <laughs> no. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Um, like the, the justice system, let's talk about that. How broken that is. How absolutely heartbreaking the stories that I'm hearing from families, individuals. Uh, it is not serving the people at all. How do we fix that without opening the Constitution? We can't. So independence, um, it's just giving power back to the people giving the voice back to the people to have a say again, to uh, have put it, you know, checks and balances back in. Um, well, we can vote in federal elections. Yeah. So yeah. Talk about that. And I said that conversation today. So by the time the vote gets to the Eastern border of Manitoba, it's game over. We know that how many MPs have we sent to Ottawa to go fight for us? And they've fallen every single the one. Of them. Entirety every of Western Canada was blue when Trudeau was elected the first time Trudeau jr. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know what Quebec did? They actually led the way. We were mocking them when we should have been cheering them on when they had their their a lot more of their sovereign rights. It's because uh, we didn't understand. Yeah, Nobody had educated us as to why they were doing this. Why were they standing up? Is it because they're selfish and they want more money? No, it wasn't. They had legitimate concerns about the sovereignty of their province and their position with the Confederation. Legitimate concerns. And I the media lambasted them. I didn't know about the solution until uh, I connected with uh, Dennis Muldrey 
and that's where I learned. He mentored all of us on this, obviously. Uh, in my going away email to the UCP, I spoke of uh, what I had hoped to see in politics. It was a very long email. I spoke of uh, accountability, integrity, transparency, honesty, and respect. And at the beginning of that com in my email, there's, and I forgot about it, I reread it just two months ago for the first time in, in almost three years. Um, I spoke of the UCP's concern at the time of the independence movement, that they're concerned about it. And I wasn't ever a separatist guy. But then I learned of what this could do, the power of this, and it's literally power right back to the people. And that's why the politicians in Alberta, the Conservative Party of Canada included, do not want to have this conversation. They don't want us to have it because they know what this could do, that this could rebalance every pillar of government, not rebalance, put the balance of power back into the hands of the people. That's what independence could do, that conversation. It's a conversation to start with. We don't know what's going to happen after we do have a successful referendum. That, you know, once we have that card in our hand, I'd say, and we say at Ottawa, okay, Ottawa, the people of Alberta have spoken. Please come to the table and negotiate. And then it's on there. It's on them. The onus is on them. Whether they want to sit down, open up the Constitution, as, uh, you know, even Brian Peckford, the, the last living architect of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, he's acknowledged that, that it needs to be reopened. That Alberta's not getting its fair deal by any stretch of the imagination. And that's the power of this. And, you know, when I was at the APP, Chris, I had outreach from BC, Saskatchewan, and Nova Scotia. So you're, you see it, I see it, we all see it, that anyone that's been mentored in this, what this can do, how this can change the future in such a great way for all Albertans. And the beautiful thing is, it doesn't even necessarily result in provinces leaving Confederation. People don't understand that that referendum, I don't understand why uh, the government of our day here in Alberta doesn't acknowledge this. That referendum would give us the moral, legal, uh, lawful justification to begin negotiations with the federal government to fix our position within confederation. The power of that tool, we don't have anything else, nothing else that even comes close to that. No. Going to the federal government and saying, the people of Alberta want proper representation. We want uh, to be represented in the Senate and the Supreme Court. We want our voices to be heard in the West. We want you to leave our resources alone. All of the things that we're we're, we're fighting about in Alberta, uh, within with the federal government in Alberta, we could fix them, and we could do it like that, with that leverage. All these premiers, not all of them. I mean, Rachel Notley literally wanted to just flush Alberta down the toilet, um, but whatever. Uh, all all these premiers that say they want to do better, more for Alberta, uh, fix Alberta's position. They've tried the same things over and over and over again, and they've tried and failed and tried and failed and tried and failed. So why is it that our elected representatives call independence-minded Albertans who want that leverage extremists and fringe and, and wackos? Why do they lie to the public and tell them 
that a successful referendum would be economic disaster for Alberta. Because it sure as heck wasn't an economic disaster for Quebec. No. I mean, their referendum wasn't even successful. And they improved their position within Confederation to the point where they received two out of every three dollars of equalization. Yeah, and then after... What what are they scared of? They they had their uh, referendums, two of them. The Clarity Act was formed. It's a legal democratic process that's right there in front of us. It's right there. Why not utilize that? And, you know, you, you ask the question, why won't the UCP do that? They will never, ever have the conversation. The UCP, the CPC, the Conservative Power Structure of Canada, as they say, they pull the strings. You know, I speak about this all the time, too, that a, one of the UCP leadership candidates said it out loud. No matter who wins the UCP leadership race, Jason Kenney and, this is important, and Stephen Harper will be pulling the strings from behind the scenes. So do you think the CPC party of Canada will ever want us to have a referendum? Of course not. This is their breadbasket. This is where their money comes from to fund that party. They lose Alberta. They're done. So rather than doing the right things by Alberta, Albertans, they play this nonsense game and they keep us down for their own benefit, to conserve their own power structure. It's insanity. It's a betrayal. If it wasn't for uh, Trudeau round one, Alberta would have become the economic capital and powerhouse of Canada back in the 70s. Yeah. But that wasn't allowed. So when I... You were, like I said, I come from a very humble beginnings, and it was that opportunity of oil and gas specifically that lifted not only me, but all my family up. Lift us into prosperity. We, you know, when people work and they're busy and you're, you're, you're making your own way, there's a sense of pride in that. There's a sense that there's happiness. There's prosperity. And that's all we're trying to do. Why should the people of Medicine Hat Brooks put their faith in you to be their voice in the legislature. I will advocate them like they've never advocate for them. Like they've never seen before. I will be a, a, a voice that will want, will not be silenced. Nobody tell, tells me what to say or what to do. I will push back when it needs to be pushed. I will always seek truth. Always. It's time that Albertans had statesmen again rather than politicians. People that are fearlessly standing up for them. That's what, you know, and Dana and I, we made the commitment, if I'm successful, we will move here. I'm not going to be one of these politicians that doesn't live in the riding that they represent. Yeah, we'll be fully invested in this region. Yeah. So... What would you say to uh, a legitimate NDP voter? Now, I'm not talking about somebody who would vote for one party because they're angry at another. I'm talking about a legitimate NDP voter who would want to see things like better conditions for uh, frontline workers, uh, nurses, doctors, etc., better labor conditions, 
more environmental responsibility, real environmental responsibility. Mm -hmm. What would you say to the folks who would normally vote orange? How would how can you how how would you um, gain their support? What what do you and the Independence Party have to offer them? It's already happening, Chris. Like I'm I'm breaking out of this mindset of a uh, you know left and right politics, color orange blue. So they've I've already been approached by several former we'll call them diehard NDPers that have signed up to this concept, this solution. I've had made a connection with uh, uh, head of a public union, and this was his quote. We know we're on the verge of losing everything, our jobs, our pensions. And I said, holy smokes, you're wide awake. He said, absolutely, we are. So the conversation is happening, and it's, it's crossing party lines uh, with an NDP doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what color anymore. It's like, do you want to have a world-class healthcare, education, a justice system, opportunities to continue funding these universities and hospitals and all of that? The answer is yes, always. Do you want to keep your, you know, a good level of pay? Of course. Um, we need to have to get back to the table as a community and like I said, have the conversations about things like climate change. Let's just do a better job of, uh, like you say, acknowledging what's pollution and what's not. And come back to the table and talk as Albertans and uh, just solve this crisis where it's a crisis. And so whether you're NDP or CPC, when you're woke up, you're woke up for UCP. When you understand how broken it is that we need to try a different idea. Otherwise, everything's gone. So yeah, it's just conversations. Um, they know, listening to the NDP leadership through this last 33 months. It's sick. It's sick. It's they would have had it even worse. We would have had it even worse quicker, I guess. And there would have been, you know, no, well, who knows? We would have been pushing back even harder probably as a, there would have been more burger rebellions, I can tell you that. <laughs> That's right. But um, NDP supporters also had businesses that were lost. I talked to one individual that we had a long-running conversation. This touched everybody. And it's changed us. I think it's changed, you know, my conversations in Medicine at here. I, I'll even go deeper than that my conversations that i had on white avenue in, in edmonton um, the day that we had one of the uh, leadership debates there i spent an hour and a half handing out little flyers and you know I, I i thought i'd be walking into the lion's den and be you know chewed up and spit out i tell you what unbelievable conversations i had and i and i tell it this way you know me i'm not i'm not a angry Albertan that wants to separate because I'm just angry. No, I love Canada. I always will love Canada. But we got to defend ourselves. We need to defend our opportunities for all Albertans, public workers as well. We made a commitment as a party. We want to defend the front line. We want to support it. We, they're, they're frustrated too. They see it. And uh, it's an easy conversation. I really, I think, so we'll see what happens. I'm not, you know, it's a, 
insurmount it's not insurmountable but it's i'm not naive enough to to think that it's not going to take a lot of hard work we'll see where we end up after this uh, by-election and I, again either way win or lose no matter where we finish we 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 make our presence known and we get our name out there and the, the ideas out there and get people thinking like APP did. APP did a great thing. Uh, although the membership didn't grow like they had hoped, um, the following was exceptional. I believe it was like 500,000. And as we traveled around the province, people heard of this solution. It was already, the buzz was already out there. And so here we come as a party and people have a pretty decent understanding of the solution. Um, but they now they want to know the, the nuts and bolts. Now they want to know the details of, okay, what happens after the referendum and when it's successful? Do we separate? Just like that. No, we don't. That would be foolish. We need to get everything ready, make sure we're ready to go. We give Ottawa a chance to negotiate while we're getting ready. And uh, if they don't want to sit down with us and we have no other option when we do play that card we will be ready we will be ready there's good people working behind the scenes on this solution and it crosses all demographics of society like i don't want to say too much but the people some of the people that are outreaching that are going to put their name forward to run as a candidate people will see this solution is resonating across the board does the Independence Party of Alberta have enough support, at least uh, maybe not awakened support yet across this province to have a victory in the 2024, uh, 23 election? Well, so there was polls done in 2021, uh, February and October. And the, the February poll, the overall support for independence was 25%. And in October of that, 2021, that same year, it was, it was redone. It was just under a thousand Albertans were pulled, and I believe rurally was 63% support, and urban was 37. Um, overall, taking out undecided was 47. So I haven't seen a poll. I've seen you know news media polls. I don't trust those at all. We'll see where that's pulling. I believe it's it's higher than that. I spent some time in Calgary. Dane and I rented a place just out, outside of Balzac, so we could. I could spend some time there having conversations. And um, again, even in the city, it's people are welcoming this conversation. So this conversation now is starting in universities, campuses, with that age demographic. Because they see it too. They feel it. They feel what's coming. They, they, you know, they're getting concerned now. Geez, will they ever own a house with the interest rates going up? Remember the, the 80s, how much pain there was back then with high interest rates? So now these young people that are, that are going to be coming out of school, and when, when housing prices, when mortgage rates go up, when interest rates go up, so does rental prices. So young people are feeling the pain, and uh, hopefully they'll... Uh, we, we hear that all the time, even at APP. Why isn't there more young people here? Well... Typically, young people don't get involved in politics. They'll, but if we can inspire them, some of their young leaders to get involved and inspire their peers to get involved, that's where it's at. It's a, old guys like us can inspire the, the young people to get involved. Their own peers will have to. What and, really uh, worries me is some of their influencers are saying stuff like, 
the unvaccinated should die, be killed or jailed like this. It's nuts. Well, that's what I mean. I'm back to that conversation. That that conversation until it, it plays out with our elected leaders, we're going to be stuck in that nightmare. So I want you to do me a favor, Bob. I want you to uh, just imagine you're sitting there with a very hardcore NDP supporter mm-hmm. and a very hardcore PC or Wild Rose U- UCP supporter. Both of these people, both these individuals are somewhat upset and disillusioned with politics right now because the NDP supporter saw this orange, what do they call it? The orange crush, yeah, which did crush Alberta. Um, they saw that and they were so happy because they thought they were going to get what they want. A year goes by, things weren't getting better. Two years goes by, things were much worse. And they realized very quickly that all of the things that their party said they were going to deliver to them, um, they did some of them, but they were unable to deliver the rest. And then the, there was a, an, orange, uh, an, uh, an orange flush. They got rid of all of them. Yeah. Almost. The, 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 the conservative voter was so happy to be rid of the NDP. Um, We're going to get our jobs back. We're going to fight the carbon tax. We're going to fix equalization. We're going to do all of these things that Jason Kenney said he can do. And he can do it because he's a great politician, years of experience, and if anyone can do it, he can. And that person is also disillusioned and feels like, you know, why should I bother getting involved? We united the right. We did all this work. We, we, worked on not splitting the vote. They locked us down. They discriminated against us. They vilified us. They closed our businesses. They harmed our children. They killed people with their policy, with their policy. They both had legitimate concerns that caused them to vote the way they did in the beginning. They both were let down. What would you say to both of those individuals, an NDP supporter and a conservative, that would unite them in their pursuit for a better Alberta. Put their trust back in, in one another. Put their trust back in the people of Alberta. Let's not let's stop trusting these politicians, like I said earlier in the conversation, to trust that they're gonna build this organization that's gonna help, you know, better the lives of the people of Alberta. We need to trust one another again. And I, I have this conversation quite often. It's what we built, the people built this province. The people built this community. Politicians didn't do that. We did. We just need to remind one another that of that. And politics, we don't need to make it overly complicated like they have. Very simple. We need a smaller government. We need less bureaucracy. And when we do all that, and, you know, uh, definitely we need tax reform. We need to put some of our money back in our own pockets, get their grubby hands out of our pockets. So that resonates both sides. I think everybody can agree there. Um, the spending is out of control and for what the services we're getting. Anyways, it just, we need to stop trusting the politicians, uh, the blue and the orange, and just do it ourselves again, like we used to. We need to be involved and be neighbors again. Yes, elect principled, community leaders, um, the CA boards that are put together, trusted community leaders, that they will hold that other, uh, their community member accountable always. 
to have the mechanisms there to do so. Yeah, just to rebuild. We got to rebuild the community of Alberta. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. And that's something that I am super excited about because, uh, you know, you can only push Albertans so far. I've been Alber I've been in Albertan for more than half my life now. And I've lived in Alberta longer than I've lived in anywhere. Actually, lived in Mirror longer than I've lived in any one place before in my life. So I'll call myself an Albertan. Yeah. Um, I always was an Albertan. I just didn't know it until I moved here. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for something to happen. Yeah. We've been pushed. It's the perfect storm for change. We've had a few years with an NDP government. We've had a few years with the Conservative government. The things that are coming for us, neither one of them can save us from. The only people that can save us from what's coming is ourselves. If we stand yeah. up and say enough is enough, we are not going down your path. If yeah. you guys want to go there, go ahead. We're not doing it. We're going to make sure that Alberta is a beacon of hope for everybody else in Canada, in North America, and across the globe. A beacon for everybody who doesn't believe in the anti-human agenda that, that, that tells us we're all useless eaters and we can't be on this planet. Alberta is going to be the place for those people. And it doesn't matter if they're Democrat or Republic or NDP or, or conservative, it doesn't matter. As long as they believe in freedom and humanity. Respect one another again. Absolutely. Yeah, right on, Chris. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Bob. Um, that was great, and thank I uh, I applaud your. I'm gonna have to buy you a wagon to haul those cojones around because you really <laughs> stuck your neck out this time. And I, when I found out, I texted you out of the frying pan into the fire, eh, Bob? And you you really have, but I know you've done it not because uh, because you want this necessarily. I. I what I've got to know about you is that you do things like this for other people and you've seen people hurting. You've seen people suffering. Uh, you're one of the first people to call me during the great burger rebellion. And we had that conversation and we've been talking ever since. So uh, I want to say thank you for doing what you know is right. And uh, you know, not backing down in the face of adversity. It means a lot to me and it means a lot to a lot of Albertans. Well, thank you, Chris. And I just want to say, this is not just me. People need to understand something. I wouldn't be doing this without the team that's behind me. Very passionate Albertans. There's people from Northern Alberta down, and there's more coming. Can you imagine pausing their lives to come and participate in this? It's amazing. A caring, passionate people that same as like us, Chris, they care about other people. They're not doing this for, they're not making any money off this. They're putting their money out and they're away from their family, from their grandchildren and children, like, like we are. And I, again, I just, I have so much respect for the amount of leaders I've seen rise up through this time. And when I say leaders, it could be, uh, you know, just an average Albertan that is, they've turned into lions so it's i'm just proud to be part of this and uh yeah i'd be very worried if i was a hyena <laughs> yeah you bet <laughs> all right well thank you everybody for uh spending as much time with us as you have and again thanks bob and thanks to the folks at the independence party of alberta for supporting bob and doing what you do in order to let albertans know that there is a third option 
and you can vote your conscience. Um, that's not to say that uh, maybe there might be somebody else who has something to offer as well. I'm going to do everything I can to try and bring as many people on as I can so that they can tell you what their plan is and what they want to see and what their feelings are for Alberta. And it'll be up to you to make a decision. Um, and it's not a decision we're going to be able to take lightly next year. It's going to be the future of Alberta on the line. Absolutely. No pressure. So yeah. thanks again, Bob. Have a great night. Uh, hopefully I'll see you in the next, I think I'm actually going to see you in the next few days. Um, not, I'll, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, Chris. My pleasure. Good night, everybody. Yeah. Now we got to figure out how to shut this one off.